Hello and welcome to the TGP Wrestling Podcast. I am your host as always, the TGP Tag Team Champion, Adam. And today I'm joined by a familiar face and a familiar voice. Uh, Robbie, how are you? Hey everybody, thanks for having me again, Adam. Excited to do this. Hell in a Cell 2022 review. Excited to talk about some stuff. Let's go. And today, I believe making his podcast debut... We have the lovely and beautiful Christina. Hello, everyone. I bet you didn't think I'll sound like this. Um, but yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to uh, get involved in the podcast and can't wait to share my views. All right. Okay. Right. Well, obviously, as you know by the title, we're discussing TGP's, not TGP's event, that would be that. Tell you what. You know what? One day we will do a podcast where we discuss TGP's events. No one will have a clue what's going on, but we'll all love it. So, no, we are discussing WWE's Hell in a Cell. Um, obviously, we're a week on from that, so apologies for coming out a little bit late. But we will also talk about SmackDown that happened last night as we're recording this on the Saturday. So, I've kicked it off. We've obviously sort of gone down the card and we'll obviously have a chat about everything that happened. So... Firstly, we had the women's triple threat match. Now, I thought this was an excellent opener. Um, if you went to the old um, WWE 2K GM mode, I think this would be a great way to start your pay-per-view. Um, certainly no um, shocks about the winner. Um, obviously, I think we all thought it'd be Bianca Belair, but the finish was great and the match had some good matches you know, moments, that sort of thing. So, Robbie, what were your thoughts on this opener? Now, you see, I wasn't expecting too much coming from this match, but the three women involved are definitely talented, and they definitely uh, delivered. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Bianca, as I've stated in the past, and I thought she looks great as a champion. Put her in the ring with both uh, Asuka and Becky, and, yeah, they they definitely exceeded my expectations uh, thought they all worked together really well. There were some great spots and overall a really entertaining match. I wasn't expecting expecting it to open and I wasn't expecting expecting it to kind of be one of the matches of the night, in my opinion. So, yeah, good job all round, ladies. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I was really pleased watching it. And obviously there's a lot of, you know, spots in matches that you want to talk about. I mean, for me... Um, Obviously, Oscar with multiple saves in the match. I thought Oscar's ankle lock was a great spot. Um, obviously, excellent wrestling throughout, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, obviously, I've been fairly critical of Bianca in the past. Um, but I think that the way that she won the match definitely added an extra layer to her character. What do you reckon, Christina? Yeah, I know, like, she needs a, a bit of charisma and step-by-step, step, month by month, like, she's gaining that and she can, like, she's showing that she can handle herself in, like, the ring with names like Asuka and Lynch over a couple of years that like, she's been, like, champion for the two main years running. Um, but there's one thing that I noticed in this triple threat match, and I believe it's correct, that there was no weapons used. And the fact that um, Lynch, no, Asuka took the pin just opens up for Becky Lynch to continue in this feud. And hopefully there will be another triple threat down the line between all three women where weapons can be used and more spots can happen. So fingers crossed for that one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those where I think the, the wrestling they put on was a bit of a clinic. And I think that that, sort of made up for it slightly. And I think definitely the plan wasn't to put Oscar um, in this position. I, I definitely get that that vibe from it. So we'll move swiftly on. We've got a lot to get through today. Um, just to let you know that we will now be incorporating a TGP star rating. Um, the kind people at TGP have given us a 3.2 out of 5. Uh, let's see how that goes throughout the rest of the pay-per-view. We move on to Omos. I mean, I, I sort of, we'll, we'll call it what it was, Omos MVP versus Bobby Lashley. Um, not a match that I would say that I was particularly looking forward to and probably for good reason why I wasn't looking forward to it. Robbie, what did you think of this one? So 
I hold the same opinions as you. Uh, I wasn't really expecting much out of this match. I mean, they added MVP into the mix to make it like a, a two-on-one handicap, which was an interesting twist on it, I suppose. Uh, also bringing MVP into the fold, obviously the betrayal after WrestleMania, where MVP joined Omos, and now MVP is managing Omos, opposed to Bobby Lashley. I thought it was interesting uh, to throw that into the mix. I didn't think MVP will be getting back in the ring anytime soon. But uh, to see Omos back in Omos and MVP as a tag team, I mean, potential new tag team title contenders in the future, maybe, who knows? We've seen Omos as a tag champ before with AJ Styles, obviously. Um, I thought it was it was a bit of a filler match for me, but the one thing I took away from it was the fact that Bobby Lashley made MVP submit at the end. I thought that was quite a like a cool little bit of comeuppance. Uh, for, Bob, for Bobby Lashley, obviously, MVP, his former manager, betraying him for Omos. I think that ties it full circle, and hopefully it will put an end to this feud now, because I'd like to see Lashley do something else as the same. I'd like to see Omos do something else, because they've been feuding for the best part of, what, three months now? I'd like to see that come to a, a nice close now. I think, to be honest, I would say this probably was... Um a blow-off match. I think that's probably them done for a bit now with each other. Um, I think the fact that MVP took the pin, I think we could be looking at maybe MVP and Omos, maybe down the line. Um, I, I really don't have much to say about this. I mean, Lashley looked great. I think that's one thing that I'd point out. He, looked, he did look good. Um, I actually think Cedric and Lashley would make a really good tag team if we're talking tag team championships. Um, I really like Cedric. I think Lashley's main event but it's, it wasn't a spectacular match. I mean, the best spot is probably Omos putting Lashley through the barricade, but it's not a new spot. We've seen it a thousand times before. But what was interesting, Chris, and obviously we'll come on to this, and I will call you Chris, I'll save your dignity slightly. Um, Bobby Lashley sent a bit of a message to Roman Reigns after the match by picking up a fan's replica belt and holding it aloft. Do you think this is something we can see in the future? Yes, it is. I am hoping so anyway, because Lashley, like, the way he lost the title and stuff from what was going on earlier this year with Lesnar winning it and Lesnar and Reigns feuding, like, Lashley deserves a little bit better. And obviously the injury didn't help him and he just went back to feud, well, he went back to WWE um, feuding with Omos after his injury, which is a bit lacklustre, like, pushes him up because he won the feud, but it's a bit lacklustre. So hopefully down the line, save for SummerSlam, it's this, um, the main event, Roman Reigns, Lashley for the WWE title, just for WWE title, not for Universal, just WWE, be perfect in my opinion. But yeah, like he deserves, he deserves better. And like I think, yeah, even though him and Cedric would be a great tag team, I believe the tag team division is a bit like Uso, focus right now so i feel like bobby lashley roman reigns title match that's in the sun will be ideal yeah and i think to be honest um i think the less so about the match the better but it obviously made look lashley look good and obviously that will i imagine now will be the end of the feud um i'm coming to ezekiel versus owens now i actually think that this match splits a lot of opinion online um I I personally would sit up and say I thought it was a pretty fun match. Um, and I think both guys worked it really well. Um, I, there's not very too much I can say about this. So I'm going to leave it to Robbie because I know he, he probably has a bit more strong feelings about this match than I would. So, again, I thought this match is quite fun. I've been enjoying the feud. The whole, you know, Ezekiel is like Elias's new character. He's like Elias's brother and Kevin Owens has been calling his BS, basically, saying, you're Elias, stop lying to us. It's quite funny, because when a load of guys come up from NXT, guys and girls, they um, they usually get name changes, they usually get gimmick changes. I mean, we've seen it quite a lot recently, like Walter turning into Gunther, and so on. Uh, I thought it was a fun match. I've been enjoying the feud. Um, at some point, I mean, we've seen weirder things in WWE, and this is a bit of an out there sort of thing to suggest but I'd love to see Kevin Owens and someone tagging with him against 
Elias and Ezekiel. I think that would be hilarious. I mean, stranger things have happened in WWE. I don't think anything's impossible at this point. So if the feud's going to go on, I'd love to see that. Say to Kevin, okay, let's get, like Kevin says to Elias, sorry, uh, Ezekiel, sorry, geez, so many names. Uh, say to Ezekiel, get Elias, we'll have a tag match. And I think that would be hilarious to watch, like have like Ezekiel dis- disappear in like a blackout and have like him come back wearing the old Elias gear and the fake beard would be, I think it would just be hilarious. Yeah, I mean, if logistically you get it happen, I'm sure I'm sure it'd be fun. I mean, like just to push this an FYI by the way, from the Lashley and uh, Amos the MVP match, uh, it got a two out of five with the TGP. So certainly don't think it was very highly ranked. Um, now, obviously Ezekiel versus Owens, I think there was a cool a couple of good spots that I de- definitely enjoyed. Obviously, Kevin Owens doing Moon Soul will always be fun. Um, and honestly, I had myself laughing along with he's constantly screaming, "That's Elias!" and like screaming at Ezekiel uh, that you're Elias or this sort of thing. Um, I think the right person won and I think the finish was good. Um, I don't know. I think because of the winner, I would say that this feud probably doesn't go any further now. Um, I think both men probably move on. But Chris, what do you reckon? What do you think the, the best thing is going forward for these two? I think they're going to have like one more pay-per-view match going forward and I feel like Ezekiel should come out with the win for that one like I don't know with Owens he deserves to be on the better card like not main event just below main event he's like a former universal champion and he's like getting put in comedy like comedy gimmick matches kind of in sense of against Ezekiel and the storyline what it is right now like I like it, I love it. Like I think I'm biased because I like, oh, I like Elias and I like the Ezekiel thing that's going on. So I'm pretty biased of that. But I feel like I don't know, Owen's really good with the comedy aspect as well as in ring. And sometimes if you're really good at comedy, it kind of like not benefit you in a sense. And they WWE will try to push the comedy aspect more than the in ring and card ability. Because I feel like Owens can do a lot better with what he's got. But no, yeah, one more match, I think, we reckon, will happen. I don't know. I just thought about this, right? So with the whole Robbie pointed out with the fake beard, blackout situation, tag team match. I don't know. If they bring back Damon Sandow with a fake beard, uh, he's very good in a tag team comedy aspect, obviously, with Damon Mizdow. I love that. That would be, that'd be a little, little good nod. No, I like that. it's a good idea, to be fair. I didn't really think about that. Um, but yeah, no, look, I don't know if Robbie would agree. I'll actually quickly ask him before we move on. 2.5 out of 5 TGP match rating. Robbie, what do you think to that? Yeah, 2.5, I think, is is okay. Uh, I give it a 3. I mean, I didn't. I thought the match was, it was okay. There were some good spots in it. I think, like, I don't know. I feel like seeing Elias, we didn't see him like wrestle too much when he was Elias. Like, okay, I, I take that back. We saw him wrestle a lot. But I feel like this Ezekiel character is bringing out more of his wrestling style than Elias ever did. So I'd like to give it more of a three, three, three point two five. If you like, I mean, I thought Kevin Owens did good. I think Ezekiel did great. I thought it was a good match. I wouldn't have necessarily put Kevin Owens over, but that's just the way it's gone. So. But yeah, it's not it's not a majorly up there match for me, but it's definitely it wasn't the worst match of the night for sure. Cool. I think you might see why we gave it a two point five. We are going to be fairly harsh with our ratings. Um, we don't want to give everything a four or like a three point five because you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room from there. So move on next to a match which I think was probably. Obviously, my second favourite, because I think everyone knows what my favourite match is going to be tonight. But definitely my second favourite match, I think it was well placed on the card. So it was the Judgment Day um, versus AJ Styles and Finn Balor with Liv Morgan. Um, now, I'll be honest with you, my notes for this match have gone a little bit out the window after what happened on Raw, which we will talk about. But my notes for this match when I was watching it were the Judgment Day is a great idea and it benefits all three people in it. As well as that, using a veteran in the right way to elevate two future stars and, in Priest's case, a future world champion. 
obviously because Ray's already been one, um, is the notes that I had. But obviously that all changed on Raw. When, you know what, we'll talk about that maybe after the match, but we all know what happened there. Um, but another note that I've got, which obviously still um, holds true, is that I think there was a thriller in it. It was a fast-paced, fun match with extremely talented people in there. Um, and I think moment of a couple of moments of the match for me, but two that I particularly love. I love the save from Priest after the Phenomenal Forearm. I think that was great storytelling. And I think Rhea Ripley standing in the way at the end was a great, great ending to the match. Um, we'll go to Chris first this time. So, Chris, what were your thoughts on this match? I think it was a really good fucking match, really. Like, the aspect behind it, like, with a mixed tag team match, it's very difficult to get a lot of storyline telling out of it. It's very difficult for the placement and for the choreography. But with it being a triple threat, no, a six-man tag team match with one woman on either side, I think they've done it, like, really, really well. It, surprisingly as well like I had doubts like how it's going to work out and stuff but uh, they did a really good job and ev- everyone's like you said is talented in it as well like both like well one faction and people want AJ Styles better Liv Morgan like yeah no it was a really good match I rate it really highly um, I just love every in-ring aspect of every competitor as well so it was kind of a um, kind of a one of those matches where you just get excited to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now I will, I will bring up them now. What happened on Raw? So obviously comes on Raw, Edge on the mic. There's going to be another member of Judgment Day. Great. We're all thinking, who's it going to be? Who's going to be? Finn Balor walks out. Edge looks really pleased with himself. Looks like he's recruited the Prince to uh, the Judgment Day. He's going to add a brilliant layer to it. Everyone's happy. And then <laughs> Finn Balor takes out Edge. So it's now looking as if this might be Finn Balor leading a, a, a very good faction, potentially on a main event charge. Obviously, I think that'd be fantastic to see. I think that, you know, it's got a lot of scope. Um, obviously, some rumours from the dirt sheet suggesting that um, Edge will be turning face again and maybe elevated up the company as the top baby face in the company. Why, you ask? We'll find out later. Um, so a few rumours there. I mean, Robbie, do you think this is the right way to go with the Judgment Day? I'm really in two minds about this. Um, so I liked the idea of Edge leading this kind of dark, brooding faction, and I liked seeing him in a way we've not really seen him before. I like the idea that he kind of, he cut his hair, he had a new theme, and he's got these two fantastic young talents under his wing. Now, I thought initially Balor would just join in on the faction, which I thought would be cool, but then to have Edge kicked out so suddenly and have Balor leading it, like, I don't quite know what where my thoughts are with this, because I like... Yeah, I like heel Balor. I thought the Prince uh, in NXT, the whole Prince gimmick was awesome. And I like how he's carried it or tried his best to carry it onto the main roster. Um, I just think that having Edge kicked out is an interesting move. I'm not saying it's a bad move. Obviously, I'm going to see where it goes. But I'm, I'm just a little bit kind of curious as to what made that decision be the one they went with. I, th- I just, uh, yeah, like, like I'm in two minds about it. I don't quite have the words for it to elaborate fully, but it, it's just an interesting choice to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously, as you guys know, obviously the listeners don't know, Finn Balor is one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. Not just in the modern era. I absolutely love Finn Balor. Um, I love the Demon. I loved him in New Japan. Um, I just absolutely love. I think he's great. But still, for me, I wouldn't have done what they did. I think that Edge elevating two young stars and taking them under their wing was the right way to go. Um, they were the right ones to win the match. I didn't see the point in this, um, especially because I would have loved to have seen AJ Styles and Finn Balor 
take to be the ones to sort of eventually take the titles off the Usos. I think that would have been fantastic. But look, I think we are where we are. Um, they've gone this way. I don't really know where that leaves AJ. I think maybe you might see down the line Edge, you know, sort of maybe apologising to AJ. You know, Edge, Edge and AJ versus Balor and Priest. I think would be a really fun match. But I don't know. I I, I just think for me, it's a no go. But the match itself gets a three out of five from the TGP match rating. Now. We move on to Happy Corbin versus Mad Cat Moss, a feud that a lot of people probably would have turned around and sort of turned their nose out a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. But I think now the feud's definitely really heated up. And obviously with the, the whole ambulance angle, um, you know, the injury to Mad Cat Moss and stuff, I really think it intensified the rivalry. And I actually argue that they only had, they went for, they were elected for one Hell in a Cell match tonight. But if they had gone for two, I think I would probably have put this match as the other Hell in a Cell match. Um, obviously, Cor- Corbin got, you know, asshole chats, chants from the crowd. He's just a fantastic heel. And I, you guys might disagree with me. That's absolutely fine. I think that Happy Corbin deserves um, to hold a belt at some, you know, in the next sort of couple of months. He's not going to get anywhere near Roman. And obviously, Roman's a dominant heel champion. Heel versus heel dynamic is not something I want to see. Um, I think the issue is at the moment the US champion and the IC champion are also both heel but I think Corbin probably does need to be elevated up the crowd or, or the card sorry I think he's a terrific heel I think he's one of the best heels in WWE um, and I think that someone like Madcap Moss a guy that I do like um, I feel like he's fairly limited in the ring with what he can do and I think Corbin gets the best out of him so uh, Robbie what were your thoughts on this one? So, again, I thought this would be a bit of a filler match. Uh, the feud's been going on since after Mania, since after... Well, it wasn't even after Mania, it was before Mania, because the Andre the Giant Battle Royale happened on SmackDown. But, yeah, no, I thought it was, a, it was a, again, a filler match. Um, I like how they've made sort of the Andre the Giant like Memorial Trophy look re- look more relevant than I think it ever has to be honest because usually in the past it's been this person's won and that's been it for a whole year but I like the fact they bought his like Madcap Moss's like accomplishment ra- like round in a circle because obviously Corbin's won it in the past and he was annoyed that Madcap won it so I like how the feud's kind of spiralled from there. It's been about that. And I think that makes the Battle Royale look a bit more like kind of relevant than it has in the past, which is cool. Helps elevate a product. And I thought the match itself was okay. They had a few callbacks to what's been going on on Raw. And yeah, I liked it all in all. Wasn't Again, wasn't match my match of the night, but it was more than I was expecting. So props to the two guys for putting that one on. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I think the only thing, I mean, there's a couple of good spots. Well, the steps on the chair around the neck was a great spot. Um, the fallaway slam on on Corbin into the steps was great. And the chair around the neck into the announce table was a good spot. There's a really few good spots in there. The only, the biggest critique for me, and I think this is what hurt the rating from the TGP side of things as well, the match was good, but the ending was really sudden and it felt quite rushed. Uh, Chris, what's your thoughts on this one? It was it was an okay match. Like it was better than I expected. Like from the two names of Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss, but I think like the feud has actually been pretty decent. Like no one ever expected these two wrestlers to be actually decent in the ring, com- like competing against each other, and like or have any sort of interest in it. Um, I don't think they would or should have had a Hell in a Cell match if they did have one, because, like, to me, Hell in a Cell matches should be for, like, pinnacle of a few, like, one of those real thirsty feuds like Rollins and Cody have right now. Well, that's over with now, anyway. But, like, um, but no, it was all, all a good match. Imagine being, living in the 1990s, saying to Andre the Giant, your name is going to last in WWE forever. And go, like, yeah, I know. Like your your name's gonna get brought up in a feud against a guy called Happy Corbin and another guy called Madcap Moss. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, 
but no, I do rate the few though. I do think I did say this in chat earlier that if you push Moss the right way in storytelling and booking, like him versus Gunther for IC title, like Octoberish time, they'll give Gunther like a push himself with the title. I mean, that'd be a decent match to be fair. Baby face on a baby face heel kind of like heel what everyone likes kind of. Yeah, I I, I rate that. Yeah, so we'll move swiftly on. The match got a 2.7 rating from TGP. Um, so I put it a little, bit, a little bit over the Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens match, but not as good as the Judgment Day match, which I think is a fair spot. Um, next one was a really good match. That I say really good. A decent match. Um, a match that was never really in doubt for who was going to win, but an, a good match anyway. Theory versus Ali. Now, for me, the first of the constant mentions of ruthless aggression, um, whilst that obviously using it as a describing term to describe theory, I, I would actually genuinely say it's a huge compliment to theory as well. He does remind me of a young John Cena, and I, I, I want nothing more, nothing more than theory versus John Cena at SummerSlam. Uh, Robbie, where are your thoughts on this one? I thought this was a good match. Uh, I thought you had the two, probably two of the best people to put on a decent United States title match. Uh, I've always rated uh, Mustafa Ali. I do think he deserves, he's deserved quite a bit more in the past. I can understand his frustrations in the past as well. And I'm, that being said, though, I'm not mad that he um, decided to, well, that well, he didn't win. I don't think he's in the right position to be a champion right now, uh, but I thought Theory looked great. I thought Ali looked great. And again, it was another one of those matches where I was like, it's going to be one of those where it's like, you know, it's 10 minutes back and back and forth. You have a winner, that'll be it. But the match was actually pretty decent. I thought that it was entertaining to watch. Uh, both guys look great. And obviously Theory walking away with the win makes him look, again, look like the uh, cocky, arrogant heel that he plays so brilliantly. I'm hoping, because they've announced that Cena is back in a few weeks' time, I hope we see Theory versus Cena. I'd like to see what those two do together, because I do think they're very, very, very similar. And I'd like to see what would go down in that match. Would you see sort of Cena take away the US belt and hang around for a while? Bring back what was one of my favourite things in recent WWE time, which is the US Open Challenge? Or will we see a passing of the torch sort of thing? I'm excited to see where it goes. I've, I do have my eye on Theory right now. And I'm excited to see what he does and where he goes with, obviously, the rest of his title reign and with Cena looming in the background as well. Now, obviously, there's a great, great couple of matches here. Uh, moments of match. Um, good in ring, ring action, what you expect from both guys. Um, you know, I love the spot from Fury with the Spanish fly off the top. Yeah, I thought it was great. I think Fury has him to offer as a champion. I think he's so unbelievably talented and he's the same age as me, which is not just a little bit depressing. So speaking of somebody older than me, Chris, um, what do you think about Fury? What do you think about this match? Yeah, it's just two very well ring competitors. Like Fury, in my opinion, like in his NXT when he was underrated and I think I reckon that some people still don't rate him highly as much, but I feel like they're slowly turning their heads and be like, you know what? This kid's got like a big future and stuff like that. Like, and Ali and Ring's just like amazing. And I lived from his like cruiserweight stuff from a few years ago. And when he came back, he was a little under, underutilized with um, retribution and stuff. But then um, had a bit of like a mic promo. And now, yeah. Oh, he's back and he's doing very good in ring stuff. Um, with my thoughts on the Cena thing, like it's a win-win situation as well. Because like if Theory wins, he's one one like one of the biggest guys in WWE like history. If Cena wins, he's done that open. He's coming back with an open challenge with the US title. That's what's going to happen. He's going to stick around. So it's a win-win situation. Storyline-wise, I think it's a little bit too early for Theory Cena. Because there is only had like one 
feud regarding around the belt with Ali, and that's about it. Whereas, like, giving like a few more feuds and like next year's Mania, that when he's pushed up higher, would have been a perfect time, in my opinion, like a non-title match, passing of the torch kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I don't really care because very seen and regardless what time is going to be like amazing just some of on money in the bank like i hope it is money in the bank sooner the better in my opinion yeah fair enough fair enough now this match got a 2gp rating of 2.5 solid title defense for theory and i hope it builds on it um now we move on to the main event um a main event that was in doubt for a lot of the evening um with Cody suffering a, a really bad injury, obviously, which we can all see, um, and no doubt might be the might genuinely just be the thumbnail for this podcast. Um, now, first of all, we need to start us off by saying how the hell Cody even competed in this match is crazy. The injury looked horrible and absolutely awful. Fair play to the, the lad, tough son of a bitch. Doesn't even begin to describe what I call Cody. The amount of pain that he must have been in. And still to produce this match, incredible. Obviously, I want to give a shout-out to Seth wearing Dusty's gear as well. Absolutely brilliant by Seth. He's just one of the best wrestlers on planet Earth. Um, now, I don't know how he was even cleared to wrestle in this match, but my goodness, what a match. I mean, I don't know how we even just try to put this into words, but Robbie starts off, I mean, how do we put this match into words? It's really difficult to put into words, this one. Uh, First of all, huge, huge, huge respect to Cody. He didn't have to compete. Uh, He didn't have to put his own body on the line in that state and probably most likely worsen his injury. But to go out there, obviously to have it all on show, to see, for the whole world to see, and to wrestle, like, at least, I don't even know how long the match was, but to wrestle a decently long match in what's been classed as one of the most brutal matches in WWE in Hell in a Cell is nothing short of brilliant. And respect to Cody, once again, like, it's 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 just crazy to me because everyone, like, sort of says to me, like, oh, wrestling, it's all fake, you know that, right? But then you see things like that where you see someone who is clearly in no good shape to compete. I mean, you wouldn't see a boxer or a competitor in the UFC fight with a a torn pectoral muscle. And I get WWE is entertainment. I get it is all predetermined. But to have someone go out and still put their body on the line with that injury that's now put Cody on the shelf for the best part of nine months now is, is brilliant. I thought the match, even with Cody's injury, they still tried their absolute hardest to to put on what they had planned and again I, I just it's I just it's unbelievable that Cody decided to do that for the fans I don't I feel like that wasn't for him that wasn't for the company that was purely for the fans to show his dedication and his love and his will for the whole wrestling industry so big respect to Cody and that being said as well big respect to Seth as well for being able to have a match with him, but also keep him as safe as physically possible. I mean, it breaks it breaks the fourth wall with wrestling quite a lot, but it's at the same time it it just gives it just it's just nothing but respect in this match because at the the moment you hear about Cody, the moment you saw Cody's injury, um, the whole feud in my mind just sort of went out the window, and you were just focused on oh dear, is Cody okay? And he showed it. And I hope he gets well soon. I hope the surgery went okay. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him when he's back. It's terrible timing. Something Cody's he's he's white hot coming out of WrestleMania. And I was interested to see what he'd do after Seth. But obviously now we're gonna have to wait and see. But I'm excited to see what is gonna happen next when Cody eventually returns. Yeah, and I think obviously it's no secret that Cody, Cody's my favorite wrestler in the world right now. I absolutely love the guy. I I, I actually watched AEW only for him. I don't, I don't care for AEW at all. 
I mean, their product's terrible, but that's not really a point that we have to skate over. Robbie's views do not match mine, but um, no, Cody was the only reason I watched it, and I still love the guy. Um, and I think a few things that we want to talk about throughout the match, um, Seth's frog splash for the table was a great spot. The ball rope, um, which probably deserves a podcast on its own, it's just the nod to Dusty, and, and obviously I helped Cody with his injury, uh, his injury sorry, as well. Um, and the, I, I, if I could make a noise, my like text tone on my phone, it would be the noise of the ball rope hitting Seth's head. It was fantastic noise. Um, obviously, go through the match as well. You know, the kick out from the crossroads was unexpected. Cody taking the power bomb from the table and still kicking out with the injury that he's got. He's just ridiculous. Um, Cody's pedigree was brilliant. Um, the curb stomp and then Cody still kicked out. Incredible. And the way that Seth suckered him in was just peak wrestling. Brilliant. Um, the ending, yeah. So, um, but obviously we also want to talk about um, obviously the match ending um, because I think the match ending was great. But and we also want to bring up a very important point. Uh, point, sorry, that this was the first Wrestling Observer newsletter five-star match for WWE since 2011, uh, which was obviously CM Punk versus John Cena. Now, I know that people might bring up like NXT or that sort of stuff we're talking about, just WWE, um, which is incredible in itself. Um, now, let's talk about the, because uh, obviously the TGP match rating means more than the Wrestling Observer newsletter. We all know that. Um, so let's just talk about the ending of the match. Now, the the multiple crossroads by Cody there would have been enough and it would have been a brilliant ending. But the fact that it wasn't enough for him and he thought, I need to take this further, and he sledgehammered Semmer, uh, SF, sorry, to put a complete full stop on what is an extraordinary win in an extraordinary match. Chris, do you think that's the, the perfect full stop to this feud? It's just brilliant storytelling. That like, it's probably one of the reasons why it got the star rating it deserves from Observer and from us, to be fair. So, yeah, no, like it's three and zero now between Rose and Rollins, and obviously Rose is out for nine months. But regardless, I think he would have gone on somewhere different, and then so would Seth. But yeah, the whole match completely from start to finish was amazing. Like storytelling. Amazing in ring work. When uh, when he came into WWE, when he came back to WWE, Cody, like I never f- got the hype. I got the hype behind, you know, an eight, not an AEW guy, but someone who like co owned AEW going over to WWE. Like I got the hype behind that, but I never got hype behind him completely when he was even with WWE beforehand. But now seeing it in my own eyes, yeah, okay, fair enough. Like I get I get why he's special and talented and stuff. So yeah, sledgehammer at the end, nail on the head, nail on the coffin, beautiful ending. And now he's out for nine months and he's gonna come back and be, you know, the unified WWE champion. I hope anyway, fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would absolutely love Cody to be the one that takes it off Roman, which I thought he would be. But, um, yeah, look, hopefully it's not nine months. Um, you know, we're sat in a position where we are seven months off Rumble. Um, John Cena at Madison Square Garden, anybody? So, hopefully, you know, that that's maybe what we see. Now, we're going to talk very as the end of Hell in a Cell, great pay-per-view. Um Seth versus Cody got a 4.6 out of 5 from the TGP, which is our highest rated match um, so far this year, mainly because we only started on this pay-per-view doing match ratings, but I still think it probably was match of the year so far. Um, now, we're going to briefly, and it will be briefly, talk about SmackDown. I'm not going to talk about the whole show. Um, it will just be a couple of moments from the show that maybe is worth discussing. Um, I'll bring up a few points that happen and we won't discuss, things like Drew versus Sheamus in a double double disqualification and then money in the bank uh, qualifier. Um, Lacey Evans defeating Zia Lee in the um, in a money in the bank qualifier. Obviously, they seem to be pushing Lacey Evans again. 
Um, a video package promoting the Viking Raiders again. Very interesting. Definitely capable of a brilliant match. Um, great tag team. And be nice to see them have a stamp on the tag team division again. Um, obviously, Drew McIntyre then went backstage, had a go at Adam Pearce, you know, and whatever. And Seamus and Bush again annoyed, you know, blah, 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 no one cares. Um, so that's had that's McIntyre um and Seamus in the in the money in the bank match anyway. So there we go. That's then to them too. Um Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi, really good match. Nice to see Shotzi get an opportunity. Um never not gonna win. Obviously, Natalia attacked her after. Um, which obviously building their feud that I don't think anybody wants to see. Um, now a few bits that we we might touch on and talk about in a bit more detail here. Um, WWE announced a last laugh match between Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin. We probably won't discuss that further, but um, I'd imagine that would be their last match that they have together. Um, maybe save it for a pay per view to blow it off, but. Two points I want to talk about. Um, the first one is Max Dupree, um, obviously formerly known as LA Knight, and probably one of my favourite superstars in NXT. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Also liked him, um, a lot of stuff that he's done really there. So nice to see him be brought up. I don't mind the new name. Um, I don't think he's related to Renee, um, which is a bit of a shame. But next week, he will reveal his new Maximum Male models. Now, I, I'm going to ask you both, and not I don't want a long answer, I want a short answer. I want you to give one name of who you, who you would personally bring out as a Maximum Male model, other than me. So, Robbie, you can go first. Can I choose Corey? Corey, can you be my? Can you be Max Dupree's new client, please? No, no, no. We're gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to make the rule of WWE only. TGP superstars are contracted to the TGP and are not eligible to perform for other companies. Oh, that's a darn shame. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna throw one of the win works. I'm gonna say Ricochet. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um. I've got one in mind as well, but I'll come to Chris first. Chris, who would you bring out as a maximum male model other than Eugene? Not going to lie, I've not thought about this at all. Um, Elias. <laughs> Just have Ezekiel grow out his beard again. <laughs> have Elias come out. Uh, no, but maybe I'm trying to think of anyone from NXT that we haven't seen in a while. Um, who was Apollo Cruz's buddy? Is it Colonel Aziz? Him? Like, maybe I don't know. Wow. See, I, I actually thought of um, you could both unmute yourself to have a little chat about this. Um, I actually think that Tyler Breeze and Fandango are absolutely like perfect for this. Ooh. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I think yeah. they're perfect for this. I think it's got this written all over it. It's perfectly Tyler Breeze, but this has got them written all over it. Robbie, what do you reckon? I mean, didn't they get released a little while ago? Tyler Breeze? No, I, I think he's still with the company, is he not? No, I'm pretty sure Tyler Breeze got released because uh, I think the news broke when Xavier Woods was doing a live stream on Twitch and he sort of stopped for a minute and took a moment to be like, oh, that's really sad sort of moment so I, I i don't think tyler breeze is with the company anymore like if he resigns that'll be cool because i thought tyler breeze's like fashion model character was was awesome thought it suited him really well good looking guy he's got the selfie stick and fluffy boots and whatever else and but yeah uh, i i if if he was still around with fandango it would be cool um see put some thoughts to it afterwards i saw on a uh, on a main event taping, I think that happened a little while ago. He bought out. Uh, I think it was. Uh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, fuck, I'm gonna fuck this up now. Uh, either it was either Mace or T Bar. I can't remember which one it was, but he bought Mace. out one of those two. Was it Mace? It was, it was Mace. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So 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 it's Mace. So I reckon that we're probably gonna see a uh, character rehash of Mace. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Obviously, Mace for next Universal Champion. You heard it first, Pi Robbie. <laughs> um, so, we'll talk about the Intercontinental Championship match now. Um, obviously, the main event of the main takeaway from SmackDown, absolutely. Um, so, just before we go into this in too much detail, um, it's no flex or anything like that, but I was at TakeOver Brooklyn where when Walter you know, obviously won the UK championship. So, you know, I felt like his 800 plus day reign, I, I was there for the start of that one. So I love this guy. I, I, I kind of, I don't know why they changed his name, but I don't care. It's not that deep, but Gunther as IC champion makes perfect sense. It's a shame that Ricochet had to take the fall for this bomb, and it's a shame that Ricochet clearly is a transitional champion, but Gunther can have a dominating heel run with this belt. Sort of like Rusev with the US title a couple of years ago. Gunther can carry this bad boy probably till Mania next year comfortably, and that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Robbie, what's your thoughts on Gunther winning the IC Championship? So my thoughts on Walter, yes, Walter, I refuse to call him Gunther. It's a stupid name. Why the fuck did they change it? Is uh, <clears throat> It's... um. Great move, yeah. I, I'll admit, I got a bit bored during his UK title reign. I guess we could partially blame COVID for that and the situation worldwide for his title reign probably being longer than they probably planned. But he's brilliant in the ring. He's one of a kind. And I reckon they could build him, as you said, similar to how Rusev was uh, in 2014, 2015. When he was the dominant... Uh, I don't want to say foreign, but like kind of, you know, the, the wrestler from another country who is holding the US title. And you can have like all these people who say they're like, oh, I'm American. I, I'm going to prove to you what a true American is and have Walter just completely destroy them. I think it's definitely a uh, it's a great move, um, even though I'm a little bit sad to see uh, taken off Ricochet. But even then, I thought, you know, I think he's more of a someone chasing the championship than actually being a champion. He's just a really good baby face. Um, but yeah, no, I can't wait to see where this goes. The one thing I do hope, though, I don't I don't wish for this title run to be five years long like the last one was. How, like, if he holds its mania, I won't be sad. But any longer after that, if it's not a decent feud build-up where the belt eventually gets taken away from Walter, I'll be a bit like, okay, this is, this is a bit, you know, reuse, reduce, recycle sort of thing. Chris, thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, Walter Gunter being the IC title champion is just like just written in the stars, in my opinion. He should be that champion. And yeah, like if the fuse are built correctly, like he's gonna be one of the dominant champions um that's ever had the belt, in my opinion. Like, I'm gonna say it here first. <laughs> but like I know, but one thing that annoyed me on the show, I don't know who was on commentary, I think it was Michael Cole, but he said that, oh, Gunter's finally arrived in WWE, or like, it's his first you, it's his first major title win. Like, I know IC title is a big championship, but don't shit on the UK title. Come on now, Michael. Like, come on. And when he said, oh, yeah, he's finally arrived in WWE, it's like, he's been around WWE. Have you watched Survivor Series 2019? <laughs> he was in the 5 on 5 v 5 match. But no, like, I don't know why they changed the name. He's already made his name on WWE itself. So, um, but him being champion and just decimating the whole roster whenever they want the title opportunity would be heaven. But yeah, like Robbie said, that he's beef for new Rusev. In my opinion, that'd be great. Right. Well, thank you for your contribution, gents. That is all we have time for today. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, we'll be back as soon as possible, hopefully next week with a new pod. Uh, we've got so many pods in the uh, the pipeline, so stay tuned for them. Uh, it's a goodbye from me. Guys, have you got any final words? Robbie first. Uh, I'd like to say uh, Adam had some technical difficulties with this podcast, so I've been recording the entire thing, so I'd like a 
shout out to the future TGP Tag Team Champion, Adam, if you could. You will never get your grubby, <laughs> girlish hands on the Tag Team Championships, you absolute mark. Chris? Um, question for you both, and this is like a on-the-spot answer as well. So there'll probably be a future podcast about this, but on your thoughts about it right now, like who do you, who do you want to be men's and women's briefcase holders? Ooh. Ooh. That's a... Uh, that's a, Okay, well, I, my women's one I've already decided, uh, Liv Morgan... She's been made to look so good recently. I want to see Liv Morgan with a title. Like, I will be pissed if that doesn't happen. As for the men's, I was going to say Cody, but now that's impossible. So the men's, I actually don't have an answer for you. That's a difficult one for me. Oh, I honestly genuinely know this straight away, right? The men's, let's run it back and let's give it to Seth. After those three matches, he deserves it. And not only that, he's the only he's one of the only people in this Roman Reigns title feud that didn't actually lose to him. Like it, it wasn't a, like a clean loss. And I actually think the storyline is already there for Seth Roman again. So yeah, no, I, I would go for Seth for the men's. For the women's, yeah, lives. I think lives a good chat, but I actually think it'd be Rhea Ripley. I, I think that obviously with the Judgment Day all that sort of stuff, I think they'll give it to Rhea Ripley. So. I'm going to say Rhea Ripley and Seth Rollins as my oh. predictions. Could you imagine mm. if, it, if it was either like, let's say Rhea Ripley wins the women's and then like either Balor or Priest win the men's? That would be crazy. That'd be dumb. Yeah, it could happen. I like that. It, it could definitely uh, happen. I would have gone for Rhea Ripley like Adam. But if it's a way for have Shayna versus Ronda, I'll have Shayna win the briefcase. Um, but they could go that way any other way. Um, I love the idea of Liv Morgan with a title and really, really cashing in on her. That'd be fun. Um, just like the Daniel Bryan kind of moment with Randy Orton. Um, with the men's, it would be either Balor or Rollins for me. Ooh. Right. I need to get this edited today is all we have time for, but... As a final word from myself, Mace will be the universal champion by the end of the year, <laughs> as predicted by Robbie. So thank you for that, Robbie. That's what our um, podcast is getting called. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for listening. See you in a bit. Uh, bye. Yeah.